hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Do you want financial success? Now, you probably just said, are you stupid, David? Who doesn't want financial success? I'll agree with you. No, not that I'm stupid, but the fact that we all want financial success. Yet, most of us are preventing it in our lives. This is in part because of our actions, but primarily because of the way we think. If you really want to get to the root of why financial success is elusive in your life, do what we did. Uncover your thinking errors. Today, you get a sneak peek at what those errors are and how they hold us back. So let's dive into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. Uh, we get to talk about something today that I think John and I enjoy talking about. We love it. Uh, partly because <laughs> this was something that has affected us, I think, ever since we realized we were starting to have these, that it has made such a big impression on us that we have these thinking errors and how much of an impact that they have on our lives. So today we're going to be talking about thinking errors. And the reason we want to talk about thinking errors is because many of us just go through life thinking, using our brains, going based on our assumptions, our intuitions, what we hear, what we know, all of these things are what's in our head. And we just continue thinking them. And rarely do we take the time to stop and question whether or not what am I thinking? And am I thinking correctly? Is there something wrong with my thinking? It's easy to just get caught up in everyday life and just assume that everything that we're thinking is correct. We often say, don't believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) Don't believe everything you hear. Sometimes we might need to say, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's that saying that we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Right. Most of us, you know, we see the world through our lens, but nobody knows what our lens looks like. You know, what is our lens rose? Is it yellow? Is it gray? Is it pink? Is it blue? You know, so exactly what is affecting our perception of the world? And very often we adopt our belief systems at a very young age, at an age when we're too young to challenge what we're being told to believe. And we grow up thinking that those belief systems are fact and we believe them so much that we don't even, to your point, question them. But why would we just assume that something that we assumed was true when we were five years old is actually a fact? Right. John, what, what is a thinking error? I found this definition online. I thought to me it encapsulated a thinking error the most pragmatically. Thinking errors are faulty patterns of thinking that are self-defeating. They occur when the things you are thinking do not match with reality. This is sometimes also referred to as a cognitive distortion. The problem with this, though, is that we very often don't know that we have this cognitive distortion. We think that what we believe is fact. But what if what we believe is actually not a fact. I mean, there is that that theory in quantum physics that every possible possibility 
is currently in existence. Yeah. And we're just living one possibility. And we think that's the only possibility. But if everything is also already in existence, then other possibilities are also possibilities. <laughs> I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole with this one. Exactly. I was just going to say you go down the rabbit, going down the rabbit hole there. But one of the things that you said, I think is, is so important is that these are all based on our beliefs. A belief system is a way of thinking, an ideology, a thought that is so ingrained in us that it has an effect on the way we live our lives. When you believe that the sky is blue, you defend that. When you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you defend that. When you believe that the best-tasting ice cream is mint chocolate chip, you defend that, right? No, because it's chubby hubby. It's just, I mean, it, mint chocolate chip is definitely enjoyable, but chubby hubby is better. Oh, okay. Right, uh, right. <laughs> But what's so interesting then is what happens to our beliefs. Our beliefs inform our thinking, our thinking and I'm just going to go back to Gandhi here. I keep going back to this recently. I don't know why so much, but... It's like he was a wise person or something. Yeah, just maybe a little bit. Our thoughts create our words. Our words create our actions. Our actions create our habits. Our habits create our destiny. And so just based on what he said there, and there are so many other examples of this throughout our lives, that our beliefs end up becoming who we are, mm -hmm. or who we are is our beliefs. And one piece of that in the middle there is our thinking. And our thinking, if any portion of that is out of alignment with what we really want in life, or what is maybe expected of us in life, then we can take a look back at where's the error at. And I wanted to cover a really big, very well-known thinking error that changed athletics in the world. And science. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Right. You're right. It did change science. And culture. I mean, yeah, it's changed a lot of aspects of. Yeah. So you may recognize the name Roger Bannister. So Who is Roger Bannister, <laughs> David Auten? <laughs> Roger Bannister was the first human being to run the mile in under four minutes. And prior to him doing that, there were centuries of beliefs that no human being could do this. And then on top of that, there was science saying that physically, there was no way for a human being to do this. When you brought up some of these ideas that scientists were floating out back then. Well, science, just scientists and doctors at the time believed that if a man tried to and actually did run a four-minute mile or, or less than a four-minute mile, that their body would break down, that they, they would actually have a heart attack or you know, they would just simply collapse and die. Right. Like it was physically against the laws of physics for a man to run faster than a four-minute mile. Right. And clearly, you know, as Bannister proved that that's actually not true. But then what's most exciting about it is that literally the week after he ran the four-minute mile, other 
men started running the four minute mile. Right. I think it was two months later, he was in a race where both he and the person who came in second place both ran the race, the one mile in less than four minutes. So it didn't take long for it to start happening. And we know today there is evidence that over 1,400 people have done it since he did it. Exactly. So basically what that did was it, it let everybody know that, hey, it actually is possible for a human being to run faster than a four-minute mile. And because I know that it's now a possibility, I don't have this cognitive hurdle that prevents me from even attempting to go that fast. Right. And that's the same thing that, you know, your, your thoughts to David's point earlier, your beliefs as you rolled through the equation, ultimately produce your results. Right. And very often, we don't even know the beliefs that we have that are producing the results that we have. And if your results are amazing and you love them, then great. You don't necessarily need to challenge them. You might want to do just for, you know, your own intellectual stimulation. Shits but and giggles. <laughs> for your own shits and giggles. <laughs> but if you don't like your current results, and we know that many people who listen to this episode or many people in the queer community don't currently love their results, then maybe it's not necessarily all of the effects in your life, but maybe it's the cause in your life. And the cause would be you and your beliefs, which is what we found were some of the challenges that we faced. So you're blaming me. You're saying it's my fault that the things in my life that I don't like are a part of my life. I know that people don't like to accept that responsibility, but... Yes. Why is this the case? Where where do all of these thinking errors come from? Where do we have these errors in thinking that we can't run a four-minute mile or that we don't deserve a great life or that he won't date me because I'm not good enough? Where do we come up with these beliefs? <laughs> well, you know, I said, alluded to earlier, psychologists have shown that most human beings adopt 90% of their beliefs by the time that they're seven. <laughs> Think back to when you were seven. What were you focused on? Right. I know for me, it was cars and Legos and coloring. And I think at the time, seven, I might have, I think it was Gretchen's brother, Todd, who lived up the street. <laughs> yeah, you were interested in Todd? I was good friends with Gretchen, but I, I liked her brother, I liked, Todd. I was friends with Gretchen because of Todd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> been there. So, you know, we assume these beliefs, these, these worldviews at such a young age, and then we go through the next, you know, 50 to 90 years, assuming that they are the gospel truth, when the question is, is the gospel even true? When you think about if all of these things happen to you or all of these beliefs are integrated into your mindset before the age of seven, that means that most of this messaging is not coming from our personal experiences. It's not coming from what we know because we've gone out there and done it or we have tried and failed and or have tried and succeeded or you know, at that point in time, we don't have, we have hardly any other experiences. So clearly these beliefs are coming from someone or something else. Well, and very often they're coming from our parents or teachers or churches, you know, whomever, and we're adopting them as true. And then they become our thinking errors. But 
these those other people or those other institutions are simply just transferring their beliefs, many of which may be their own thinking errors. So we have basically you know fifty thousand plus years of humans passing on erroneous beliefs to other humans, and right. we just assume that they're true and we don't question them. Right. And until you start questioning them, and a great time to question them is if, if you don't currently like the results that you have, then maybe question your belief system because it's a very huge possibility that your belief system is producing the results that you don't like. So if you can change your belief systems, you might change your response and therefore change your results to get the resu- results that you're looking for. Absolutely. I mean, you, you think back to this idea that yeah, I think of, and I cannot remember the name of the individual in the Greek mythology story, but where he was told humans can't fly or human beings can't fly. And so he created wings of wax and ended up flying too close to the sun and they melted. Icarus? Maybe. I can't remember exactly who it is. But, you know, there's a, there's another example that hundreds, thousands of years ago, we had this belief system that humans cannot fly. And today... Wonder Woman is flying faster than any bird has ever flown, right? So, no, I'm just kidding. We have devices that allow us to fly faster than the speed of sound. So, sometimes it's a change in the way we think or what tools we use that can help us to dispel a thinking error. So with all the work that we've been doing in the queer community over finance over the last five plus years and all of our education and experience in financial services, especially working with the students at the credit card payoff course and overcoming our own challenges, and then most recently the the Queer Money Live tour that we were just on, David and I have come to the conclusion that there are essentially seven thinking errors that prevent financial freedom. And we recently just published a a very short ebook called ironically, the seven thinking errors that prevent financial freedom. And so you can go to our website at debtfreeguys.com to download a free copy for yourself. But we're going to cover today three of the top thinking errors as polled by the Queer Money Facebook group to maybe start getting the discussion to help people dispel some of these myths that most of us believe that are dictating the outcome of our financial lives. So we, we, we went ahead and we polled the Facebook group. We said, here are all the thinking errors, the seven that we've deduced, <laughs> afflict most of us and produce the outcomes that most of us don't like. Which are the top thinking errors do you think uh, most of us, or you in particularly, are afflicted by? What's interesting is John and I believe that these aren't necessarily, these three aren't necessarily the ones that if you solve these, all of your other problems will be gone. Because I think it's it depends on the thinking error and how much you allow that thinking error to impact your life as to how much or how far away from getting financial success or financial freedom that you will have. So... We're going to cover these three, but the other four are just as important because one of those may be the one that's really causing you to avoid taking the steps to be able to have that financial success. Right. Yeah. We're, we're simply covering what essentially 1,200 people think are the most common thinking errors. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that these are the most egregious thinking errors. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely download your your free copy of the seven thinking errors that prevent financial freedom at debtfreeguys.com to find out what the other four are and to start maybe having that discussion with yourself, your partner, about how you can overcome them. So the first one I'd like to tackle, and I think this might be a sensitive one for our community. The first one is I'm not responsible. 
It's whatever the case is, I'm not responsible for the current circumstances in my life, uh, whether it's financial or otherwise. And I know that so many of us like to, and David and I were there once too, we like to blame countless other people or entities for where we are in life. And we we very often assume that no one has it as hard as I do. They don't. I'm the most (laughs) challenged in the world. But that assumes that you understand everyone's situation and our community is is very big on not making assumptions or providing blanket conditions on segments of the population but the first is is i'm not responsible for my current financial situation if you are not responsible for your current financial situation and you want to blame someone else whether it's your parents the government uh, your boss whatever then you're essentially disempowering yourself. You're essentially saying that I don't have the financial security, the financial success, the career, the lifestyle that I want because of this or these other people or institutions. And therefore, there's nothing I can do about it. And our community is also very big on empowerment and self-empowerment, but we are very apt to then just deflect our responsibility when the outcomes of our lives aren't what we want. And I know this from personal experience. I mean, we've talked openly on this podcast and openly on the Queer Money Live tour that many of my financial conditions, I feel, came from the period of time when I was bullied and picked on and treated differently when I was a child. Now, that may have been the effect of those situations, but ultimately, I'm responsible for how I respond to that bullying and that being picked on and being treated differently as a child. I mean, there's that amazing Viktor Frankl quote that says, between a stimulus and a response, there's a space. And in that space, we have the choice to decide. And we can either choose to let our emotions or let someone else dictate our outcome, or we can take responsibility for that. And if we take responsibility for that, then we can proactively, with empowerment, change things. Now, I know this is probably very sensitive for many in our community, but if you refuse to accept responsibility for your outcome, my question to you is, how are you liking the results so far? (laughs) Right. If you've gone through 20, 30, 40 plus years of blaming other people for everything that's not right in your life, how is that working out? And if you continue to go with that thought process, how do you think things will change any differently or any more than what they've changed so far? Right. Well, there's so many great examples that we can look at. You know, I, I think about um, Gabby Giffords. Gun violence is a big issue in the country right now, and she is an individual who experienced it firsthand, right? And she could have said, I'm done. I'm done being a politician. I'm done serving this country. Fuck y'all. She really could have said that, and she didn't. She said, I'm still passionate, I'm still capable, I can still do things, and I'm going to not just sit in my house or my apartment or wherever and say and wallow in self-pity and say, I can't do anything. Martha P. Johnson. A lot of us in this community... Marsha, yeah, sorry. Owe a debt of gratitude to somebody who said, I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to throw that brick. I'm going to stand up and say, this isn't right. I'm not going to take it anymore. Example, I think of men and women who have come back from serving our country with lost limbs 
who have gone on to be public speakers, Paralympic athletes, write books, inspire thousands of other people. And they could have said, I'm just going to stay at home and I'm going to become a heroin addict or a pill addict because I have access to these free drugs and everybody will just take care of me. That's what I deserve. They've said, no, I'm not going to do that. They've decided that it's their choice to do something great with their lives, no matter what their circumstances are. And look at their results. Those results are possible for every single one of us. My favorite quote from Napoleon Hill is, no one drifts to success. So he basically has said that if you want success, you got to pick up the oar and you got to put it in the water and you got to move. You got to do something. Exactly. So David and I, we're often taking reading books, listening to podcasts, taking courses ourselves to improve ourselves as individuals and to improve and grow our business and become better servants of the LGBT community. We just recently joined a course of individuals who was founded by and run by an individual who earns up to seven figures in their virtual business. And he coaches people to get to that level. And very many people who are in his course, they have businesses that generate six and seven figures. And he's told us at the very beginning of this course that one of the common traits of the successful people in his courses, as well as his peers and colleagues that he's partnered with and masterminded with over the years, is that they assume radical responsibility for every single outcome in their lives. They don't dismiss it. And they even go so far as to say, you know, if someone cuts them off on the highway, this is a very radical way to look at life. But if somebody cuts them off on the highway, who's responsible for them getting cut off? Well, the most advanced of these individuals will assume that they are responsible for that situation. They happen to drive on the highway at that time of day, be in that lane, and that's the responsibility that they have to assume. Now, that might sound contrary or, or, or naive or stupid to most people, but what those individuals who have an outlook on life like that are doing is they're owning their empowerment. They're saying, I am empowered enough to affect every aspect of my life. No one else can do that for me but me. And when you, if you think about, if you go through life with that perception that you are responsible for every single thing that happens and occurs in your life, how then would you approach life? How then would you approach the challenges that come your way? What lens would you be using to address your problems, to pursue your happiness, to achieve your financial security? I I can think of it would affect in most people, I think, in two ways. If you assumed 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life, you would either do absolutely nothing which sadly, I think that that's what the majority of people do, or you would do everything that you can to make sure that your life is lived in the manner that you want it to be lived. You're going to take the action. You're going to take the steps. You're going to put yourself in the scenarios. You're going to meet the people. You're going to do it. Just like Nike says, just do it. The reason I think it's so radical is because so few people 
want to take responsibility. It's so easy. It's such an easy thing to do to just come up with the excuse. And the reason I say it's so easy is I have so many things in my life that I still come up with excuses for. I blame this person. I blame that scenario. I blame my upbringing, all of that. And I am trying really, really hard to start accepting 100% responsibility for the, the outcomes in my life. Exactly. Have we discussed that topic enough, Mr. David? We crushed Dalton it. Schneider? Yeah. Awesome. But I do think this, this second topic is, and I think it's very interesting that this is the, the second most commonly chosen item because they both kind of hinge on this idea that it's responsibility, personal responsibility. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. The second one here is I can wing it with my money. Winging it with your money I don't know what you think about when you think of somebody winging it, but when I think about that, I think about the kid who, and sometimes that was me, (laughs) walked into class, sat down, knowing that there was a test, hadn't studied, just remembered what I listened to, the lecture from the teacher, took the test, and hoped and prayed that I would get at least a C plus. And sometimes it happened. But the majority of the time, it did not. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that uh, CNBC and Acorns recently partnered for a poll, and they found that 75% of Americans are winging it with their finances. And you know, if you watch any sort of financial news, you know that most Americans are challenged financially. Not only are we not saving enough for retirement, but we're also accumulating debt at, at such a rapid pace that it's not something that, that, that's sustainable. And so most of us are winging it with our money three quarters of the population are winging it with their money. Well, if you believe that there's the 1% that are holding everybody down, but 75% of the population is not taking any responsibility or Or action action to improve their financial situation, I guess I question that whole 1% theory a little bit. (laughs) You know, if you're not going to take ownership of your finances and you're not going to reach out to a financial planner, read books, listen to podcasts and whatnot about money, what hope do you have of ever achieving the financial security of at least of the 1%? Well, and and, and I don't even think it's the 1%. If 75% of Americans are winging it, there's a reason why so many of us stress about money regularly. In the LGBT community, 58% of us worry about money at, at least once a week. And so if we're constantly coming up with excuses, then we won't take the action. And we only take the action when it's absolutely desperate. We're absolutely desperate to take that action. And we know that from our own uh, scenario, our own situation, but we also know that from individuals who reach out to us. You'd be amazed at how many people reach out to us and say, I'm about ready to declare bankruptcy. What do I do? Or they reach out to us and say, I'm 57. I want to retire in five years, but I haven't saved anything what do I do? So those are the results of winging it financially. You may get the C plus, but it's more likely that you're going to get the D minus or the F. 
And that's what happens when we don't take some sort of action. Right. And this is why in the book that we wrote, The Four Principles of a Debt-Free Life, one of the principles is being money conscious, being aware of your financial situation, be aware of how money is affecting and works around you. We went through most of our adult life, up to that point anyway, not being conscious of exactly how we were spending our money. We would find out that our balance, our checking account was empty when the ATM told us, not because we knew that we were getting close to zero. We only realized that between the two of us, we had $51,000 in credit card debt after we wanted to buy land and build a house <laughs> right. for a vacation home. I oftentimes, when, when people reach out to us and say, I'm about ready to file for bankruptcy or I want to retire, but I don't have any money for retirement, part of me does wonder, like, did this sneak up on you and surprise you? Or did you have your head in the sand, ignoring what you knew you needed to or should should have been doing until things got so critical? But I have to look back on our situation and we were just not paying attention. Right. We did not take anything seriously. Yes, we heard the financial advice. In fact, we were giving it, but we never actually applied it to our lives because we just figured at some point everything would just work itself out. Whether it's we would just earn more money, we would get an inheritance, our debt would just disappear some way, shape, or form, like we were you know, from Canada. <laughs> that something things would just get better. And things don't just get better. You have to take action for things to get better. You can't just wing it with your finances. You need to actually take some action to produce different results than what you're currently having. Right. Well, I think that uh, one of the things you're kind of pointing out here is um, that saying if you are failing to plan, you're actually planning to fail. Exactly. Right. So without a plan, without having some forethought of where you want to be, you will not get where you want to be. You have to have that goal in mind and then take the steps to get there. We've done this analogy so many times before. You get in the car and you just start driving. If you don't know where you want to go, you'll end up somewhere. You know, and honestly, I think that this is one of the things that a number of people say that no matter what you do in life, you will end up somewhere. But if you don't plan on where you want to be, where you end up, you may not like. Exactly. Well, I think that's part of the whole debate of is it luck? Or is it preparation meeting opportunity? Right. And most people who aren't happy with the results they have in their life, whether it's their career, the financial situation, whatever, will say that the successful people were simply lucky. And every single solitary successful person that we know, either personally or the books and podcasts and videos that we watch, will tell you that for them, it wasn't luck. It was it was their preparation, their efforts, their work, enough of those hours being put in that coincided with an opportunity coming their, that their way that they could take advantage of. Yeah. Whether or not they were necessarily prepared for the opportunity, but they were prepared enough to say yes and then to, to run with the opportunity. So there's that whole debate. But again, you can simply pass it up as luck and say that you're not responsible for it. But how's that working out for you? And if most if not all successful people say that their success hinges on their preparation and their work and their efforts aligning with an opportunity, then why wouldn't you want to do what the most successful people are doing Right. if you want to have that kind of an outcome? Right. It's easy just to say, you know what, this is my situation. I'm just going to live with it. Um, things just suck for me. 
that's fine. You can choose that option. But if you don't like your outcome and you actually want to change things, you have the power within you to do so. But it's up for you to take the action. The action is the the, the lighting of the match that gets you to the glory or the fire. Yeah. And we don't want to discount the fact that for some individuals, it may be more difficult. It may take longer. You know, your circumstances in life may be that because of where you lived or your family situation, you didn't get an optimal education. That doesn't mean that you cannot move forward, that you can't make progress, that you can't do something that will result in massive benefits for you. There are plenty, I, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, but there are lots of very well-off, not-so-smart people out there. They just have taken advantage of something that they knew, put it into action, and produced some results. We can all do the same. You don't have to be smart to learn how to manage your money. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of rich people who are not smart, and there's a lot of very smart people who are not rich. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it, basically what it comes down to is what actions did you take to get the results that you ultimately want? Right. And if you didn't get the best education or you grew up in a very tumultuous household, yes, there are additional challenges that you might have in that aspect of life relative to other people, but you don't know what everybody's gone through. I mean, so many, how many people do you know who have achieved major success and when you hear their backstory, you're like, wow, how did you even overcome that? Right. We just assume that everybody who's achieved some level of success, you know, lived on easy street, but not everybody shares their entire backstory. Right. They, they don't have to. So, so you, you mentioned rich people. So let's talk about that. You know, it will be easy. This is one of my I'm, favorites. Right. It'll be easy if I'm rich. Right. Yeah. So thinking error number three, which is my favorite, is having more money would solve all my problems. It's one of my favorites too. And I think it's because this was a place that we were both there. Both were at, yeah. especially back when we had our $51,000 in debt. We had this, at least I did. I had this, I think I had this nagging thing in the back of my head that said, it doesn't matter that I have personally had $17,000 in credit card debt because eventually I would make enough money to pay it all off. But what's wrong with that thinking? Well, I know exactly what's wrong with that. We would continue to get raises and promotions and bonuses and, and our income would continue to raise, but that never paid off our debt. In fact, we just simply acquired more. So having more money does not produce more financial success. In fact, we know people who have considerably low incomes, $40,000 and less, who live much bigger and better lives than people who we know have six figures of income. And I think there's a couple of, 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 of public examples that we can look at. You know, Sports Illustrated did a study a couple of years ago, and they found that 78% of NFL players go broke within two years of retirement. Now, some of these people are earning six figures and more being pro athletes, and 78% of them are going broke within two years after they retire from their sport. Why is that? You know, some of them have more money than any, many of us can dream of, but they didn't yield the financial security that most of us would love to have. Likewise, MIT did a study a couple years ago and they found that lottery winners are more likely than the average American to file for bankruptcy within three to five years after winning. What is up with that? I mean, we all get excited when the lottery gets big and we all think about what we would do with it and I think one of the most exciting aspects of thinking about winning the lottery is <sighs> all my financial stress and worries would go away. But 
if we're more likely within three to five years to file for bankruptcy, then that's not necessarily yielding the financial security we all want. And we would all love that opportunity to win the lottery. I would love to prove that statistic wrong, <laughs> but the numbers aren't stacked up in my favor. So that's why this is, you know, we, we, that's why we, we love this example because so many people come to us and say that they have all this credit card debt because of their income. And this upsets a lot of people, but we'll continue to say it because it's absolutely true. For most people, not all, but for most people, we don't have an income problem. We have a spending problem. And like I said, we know of individuals who have very successful, fun, enjoyable lives and are doing amazing saving and investing for retirement who earn $40,000 or less. Yeah. You know, we actually did a whole episode on the podcast on this, and I can't remember which episode, so we'll link it up in the uh, show notes. But the basically the gist of the podcast episode was which we chose to do first, pay off our debt or make more money. And the whole reason why we chose to pay off debt before going on um, a campaign to earn more money. And it's it's all built into that idea that we would just continue to allow our lifestyle to creep. And I will admit that, that we have allowed some of that lifestyle creep to happen even after we paid off of our debt. Thankfully, we've, we have the buffer or had the buffer to be able to do that, but we have to check ourselves on a regular basis because we know it can be detrimental. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> okay. So now we've talked about what the Queer Money Facebook group determined were the three most common thinking errors, not necessarily the most egregious but the most common. Uh, so we want to give you some tips and tools to be able to counteract these thinking errors. If you're struggling with these or you struggle with the other four after you download the seven thinking errors that prevent financial freedoms ebook that you can get for free at debtfreeguys.com. So we have some f five tips here to help you overcome those thinking errors. The first is we must identify the thinking errors that are affecting us. It's not likely that you're afflicted by all seven. I think maybe between the two of us, you and I were afflicted by all seven, um, but it's not likely that an individual is afflicted by all seven themselves, though I guess it's not outside the realm of possibility. But first, we must identify uh, the thinking errors that are affecting us. And then it's not only helpful to understand what's affecting us, but then trying to figure out exactly when are we triggered by them. When do we feel a visceral emotion about that particular thinking error? Now, it's not necessarily that you say to yourself, um, I'm not responsible. That would be very easy to identify. But you might be saying that in an indirect, camouflaged way. Ex so, Making excuses. Yeah. So getting in touch with yourself of when have you made these excuses that are producing the results that you don't want. Right. Or blaming. Yeah, I think that's that's the probably one of the big ones for that particular thinking error is that it isn't you're saying I'm not responsible. It's actually blaming someone else when you're pointing the finger at someone else or something else as the cause. You're actually saying I'm not responsible. Right. right. So it's those kinds of scenarios that you should check yourself and make sure that that isn't making that thinking error stronger in you. And a great way to sort of start identifying these is to, one, once you've identified the thinking errors that you're affected by, that'll create an awareness in your own brain. But then 
start meditating or journaling and reading and talking to others about the different scenarios in your life and the different occurrences that, that happen and document not only the occurrence, but then document your responses to those occurrences. And then you might start to see patterns of how you're responding to certain situations. And if you're responding the same way to similar situations, well, maybe that's something that, that, that you need to overcome. Or when you know blatantly that you blamed someone else or you excused yourself or you, know, you pointed the finger at someone else, note that in your journal and then think to yourself, to what extent am I responsible for that situation or the outcome of that situation? Yeah, I think the outcome one, I think, is really important. I, I'm actually going to talk about that here. When we're looking at the outcome in our life, if you, we're looking at especially the financial outcome in our life, it may be easier to see what kind of thinking error or which of the thinking errors is causing that. So, for example, earning less. Earning less may be the result of a thinking error. It could be that we're pointing the finger at someone and saying, this is your fault, or I'm blaming you, I'm blaming them, I'm blaming this culture or this particular ideology as the reason why I'm not successful or I can't earn enough. And one of the easiest ways to kind of help knock that down is to look for someone who is, who is earning more who is maybe in your exact situation. They may be a transgender person of color. How are they earning enough money to live off of? They may be a lesbian with two kids. How are they earning enough money to have a financially successful life? They may be a young gay man living in a not-so-favorable part of the country. How are they getting ahead financially? Use them as a way to knock that truth, that false truth, out of your belief system. Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk said this on a podcast several years ago, but if there's anybody who has come from your particular background or has been through your particular situation and has overcome that challenge, then that pretty much negates that as being an excuse for you not getting to where you want to go. If anybody else has overcome your the challenge that you say is preventing you from getting you to where you want to be, then they pretty much, like Roger Bannister, knocked down that obstacle. And so there's nothing left to blame except for your response to the situation. You know, I guess at this point, number three is you'd want to identify where you learned these thinking errors. And this isn't to say that you want to blame people for imposing these thinking errors on you because they might not even know that they imposed it. They're just pa- passing down to you what they learned and what, what in theory worked for them. But it's helpful to identify the source of these thinking errors in your life because it might provide a pragmatic response. You know, if, you're, if you've learned some of these thinking errors from your kindergarten teacher or your nursery school teacher or your Bible school teacher and you were like four years old, that situation in and of itself might challenge your belief in that. Why are you just assuming something that you were told at four years old? I mean, you didn't have any critical thinking skills. You didn't have the power or the voice to be able to debate or, or respond in a contradictory way to what you're being told. You just assumed it is true, right? Because these are gigantic humans that are responsible for, for giving you food. You don't, <laughs> you don't upset them. Mm. <laughs> and so you don't question it. And then you just assume that this is true. So understanding the source of these thinking errors might provide some light as to how much weight you should actually give them. Now, 
of course, much of what we were taught as young kids and that we learn as children in school or grade school are, is true, but some of it's not. And it's up to us to discern what's working for us and what's not. Number four, we would suggest then to identify the results of those thinking errors and what they're producing in your life. If, as David suggested earlier, you're not in the financial condition you want to be, if you don't have the career that you want to have, if you don't have the income that you want to have, if you're not able to treat your your spouse or your family to the lifestyle that you think that they deserve or that you want to give them, if you don't have the financial security, the retirement savings, whatever it may be, or if you have too much debt, whatever the case may be, then identify the connection between the thinking errors that you have and the results that you're getting. Understand that changing those thinking errors will start to yield different results. That's the first step. Identifying those thinking errors and understanding the results of producing your life will start to yield different results. And then finally, start being conscious of how these thinking errors come up in your day-to-day life. You know, we often think that it's dramatic situations that create results in our life, but it's really the, the, the very minor subversive interactions, experiences, discussions that we have with ourselves, not necessarily with, with each other, discussions that are going on inside our brain that produce the results in our life. So start identifying exactly how these thinking errors are coming up in your life in a day-to-day basis. Document that, think on that, and think about what they're resulting for you. And that's basically the recipe for overcoming these thinking errors. Absolutely. So David, Otten, Schneider, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> I just want to remind you that these seven thinking errors are ones that we found to be most common. They affected us. They affect a massive number of the people that we work with that are a part of our Queer Money Facebook group that are emailing us regularly. These are thinking errors that we all have, for whatever reason, adopted in our life. And we are proof and we have so many other people if you've listened to some of the recent episodes, especially the episodes of individuals who have been paying off their credit card debt, all of us are proof that these thinking errors can subside in our life, that they can be overcome and produce amazing results if we just take the action to do something, to recognize them, to say, I'm not going to stand for this anymore and move forward. And you will get amazing results. You will start to reduce your financial stress. You will start to improve your relationships with the people around you. Exactly. So we hope this discussion of thinking errors will help you start thinking about your thoughts. (laughs) If this has sparked any thoughts for yourself uh, and you'd like to dive into this a little deeper, again, go ahead to deaffreeguys.com and download your free copy of The Seven Thinking Errors That Prevent Financial Freedom. And then starting August 28th, Eighth, we are going to do a three-part video series that addresses these thinking errors in a little bit more depth and provides a little bit more tools that you can use to help start overcoming these thinking errors. So look out for more information on social media for that. Join the Queer Money Facebook group and or join our email list to make sure you don't miss that video series. We've been putting a lot of time and effort into it. We think it's going to be a great tool and discussion uh, amongst the group to be able to start helping our community overcome these thinking errors in a very uh, thoughtful uh, and intentional way. Remember that Gandhi quote? It's all about how we think. If we don't like where we're at, we've got to start with our thoughts. Will thinking alone make it happen? No. But we don't take any action without thinking about it first. 
So download your copy of our free ebook, The Seven Thinking Errors That Prevent Financial Success at debtfreeguys.com forward slash 168. Thank you again for listening and sharing the show with other LGBT people deserving of financial success. See you next week. We've got another amazing debt-free story coming up for you. Thank you again. To learn more about how our sponsor, Capital One, is reimagining their local spaces and experiences to have banking better fit your life, visit www.capitalone.com and follow them on social at Capital One Cafe. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.